here we are the new locked on nfl with brian peacock and the scout matt williamson if you missed yesterday's debut of the new format you are in the right place if you don't know me i'm brian peacock the new co-host here steering the ship a bay area radio guy former analyst at pro football focus former contributor at roto wire and the host of locked on 49ers you can find me on twitter at bd peacock i'm here with the man you know and love former nfl scout matt williamson you can find him at williamson nfl matt how you doing on this fine tuesday I am fantastic, dude. I am psyched that this is rolling along. This is episode number two together. I really got a lot of good feedback on the first one. It's more comfortable for me, as I mentioned. I think we, you and I are going to really build a rapport here. I think our strengths complement each other really well. And I always like to tell people what I'm up to. Um, I'm back home until Wednesday morning because the Steelers do not practice on Tuesday. So um, if I get a week of time off, I'm going to sneak home and mow the lawn and take out the garbage and do all those things. So <laughs> I'm home and that's where I'm at for at least another 24 hours. Uh, you can go riding lawnmower or push lawnmower. No, it's a pretty big yard and it's a push mower. And okay. uh, my 12 year old's going to have to learn some things pretty soon, too, especially, when, <laughs> especially when NFL season rolls around probably so next year. I'm picturing dad, the backyard shirt off push mower, just no, going to town with some that. headphones, do that to the neighbors. like a little Metallica in the headphones or something like that podcast in the headphones oh they yeah that these days it's podcast dude i've gotten so far away from music because i'm a former musician as well and i find myself okay. all the time being like oh yeah i could also listen to music in the car if i want but it's been all podcasts that's all i listen to i mean you and i haven't had this conversation but there's so much good nfl content out there yes. i probably subscribe to 60 different podcasts and a couple of them were like game of thrones and things like that but on 99 of them are nfl of some sort of course i don't get to them all but Unless I'm on an elliptical machine or a stationary bike, which I try to do every day, then I'm reading about football and listening to music. But if I'm listening to anything, it's podcasts all the time. And a lot of them from the Locked On Network, of course. Absolutely. So much great content. And it's awesome with the Locked On Network, too. Even if you are a listener, maybe not a fan of a certain team, but something happens, uh, you can come here to Locked On NFL and get you know all the biggest stories. You could also go to the specific team and find out about a certain team. Maybe if you're preparing for a fantasy draft, there's so much information going on. And getting deep with every team, with every show across the network is really cool. And we are going to utilize those hosts as well here on the show. Today, it's just you and I, though. And I think we're going to start yeah. dipping into some of those hosts pretty soon here. And by the way, it is a Tuesday. And I know, Matt, you have been doing a Twitter Tuesday here on the show. So we'll probably try to get back to that next week. So those of you who want to get involved uh, tag us I, again. I'm at BD Peacock on Twitter. He's at Williamson NFL, and we'll get a Twitter Tuesday going again next week. Absolutely. I got a question for you though. Before we get started, you okay. said you were involved with music. I'd like to hear a little bit more about that. Um, I'm I very much like music, but boy, am I in the Stone Ages. I mean, <laughs> Gun GNR Lies is kind of a new album for me. You know what I mean? <laughs> like I was a Zeppelin, Floyd, Guns and Roses type of guy. Okay, if it came out in the last 20, 30 years. I'm in the dark, but I'm very much open to learning. Okay, so I'm guessing you used to rock a mullet back in the day and uh, sleeveless shirt. Yeah, <laughs> my listeners have never heard this one either, but I had. Like an inch long crystal hanging out of my left ear oh. that got ripped out of my ear playing hoops one day. So I just have this like <laughs> flat floating around now. So my wife can identify my body looking at that someday. Uh, that's great. Yeah. No, I've had uh, I've had some hair of all different colors playing uh, music since high school. Some punk rock bands and uh, nice. yeah, did a little touring in my early college days and in my early twenties and. 
Um, actually, I was lucky enough as a very young man to be at a Nirvana concert, too. So um, that's very something cool. that not a lot of people can say. It was actually the second to last Nirvana concert in the U.S. before Kurt Cobain went to – they went on a European tour. And then it was, uh, it was New Year's of 94, a few months later in April, he was dead. So, uh, yeah, that's uh, – I've been a rocker ever since then and uh, still am a listener of music. Don't play like I used to, but that's where I got my audio knowledge. And that's why I'm such a good radio and podcast producers, because I was, I've been fiddling with knobs and uh, and music and, and audio basically my entire life. So it's uh, yeah. good to know. And I want my my listeners to get to know you a little bit better. You know, you mentioned Nirvana. The grunge era was I graduated high school in 91. So it was college. Everybody was in torn jeans and <laughs> yes. uh, flannels at Pitt Johnstown. It was cold. You know, I mean, there wasn't a was a lot of skin showing at the time. So um, last little music note. I mean, it sounds like you're musically inclined. And as much as I like listening to music, uh, it's one of those things like building things that I could never be good at in a million years. So I respect musicians to no end. No yeah. talent for it at all. It's it's crazy because being good with your hands, being able to play music or something like that, and it's natural. And sometimes uh, you see people who can do music, but they can't shoot a jumper, you know, or something like that. Right. Or like for me, I'm terrible with my hands and building things and doing, you know, say woodworking. And actually, I we just moved. I have a garage now trying to build myself a, speaking of music, a record player stand. And wow. not great at it. Not great at it. But I've got it. I've got the space. I've got a garage finally after moving out of the city and having a tiny one-bedroom apartment I've got a one-year-old kid now, and so we've got some space, and so I'm trying to get into dad mode here uh, in rapid fashion, and uh, I'm having fun with it, even if it's not the, the greatest uh, the greatest <laughs> skill work with my woodworking. Very cool. Yeah, I just don't see it. Like, great musicians see it, and you know, uh, my uncle's a great construction guy. He redid our entire first floor, puts on additions all the time. I could never see it. I mean, uh, just not the way my mind works. Yeah, and you can feel it, too, and, like, let's say you're playing hoops, you know, you can you 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 see the you see the court. You know where the passes go. You know where the passing lanes are. You can feel it. You know how to rebound. You know how to body up against somebody. And it's like that with with music. And it just you feel it through your through your uh, your whole body and it just makes sense. And I'm sure that's what it's like playing quarterback too. And I think we're going to talk about some quarterbacks here. And some guys see the field and some guys don't. Some guys feel pressure and some guys don't. So I want to get to Lamar Jackson. I think we need to talk about. The best running quarterback now in the league who just showed up and is uh, probably one of the top five pure just running backs in the league if you're a running back. And we're going to look at his numbers and stuff, but we got to take a break real quick first and we'll come back and we'll dip into all the latest and talk about everything going down in New York, both the Jets and the Giants and talk Lamar Jackson. This episode is brought to you by Five Star Painting, a neighborly company. Five Star Painting is looking for new owners to join their growing company. Could this be the perfect opportunity for you? Are you driven? Do you have the heartbeat of an entrepreneur? If you're interested in running your own business, text 5STAR to 87000 right now to learn more. Choosing to start your business with Five Star Painting means setting yourself up for success by surrounding yourself with the best in the business and the best at business. With Five Star Painting, you'll be your own boss, pick your own territory, set your own hours, and live a better quality of life running a business that you can be proud of. You'll have access to the best resources to help you scale your business to meet your personal and professional goals, and you will go home every day with the satisfaction of helping your customers enhance and maintain the beauty of their homes. Whether you've been thinking about starting your own business or you've already been running your own painting company, text 5STAR to 87000 to learn more about how a 5-star painting franchise can help you get where you want to go faster than going it alone. 
And I will say it is pretty cool going into business for yourself, betting on yourself and seeing something grow, whether it's painting or podcasting. Again, text five star to eight seven zero 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 to learn more about the neighborly brands that may be available in your area. And we thank them for sponsoring the podcast. Okay, let's start with the Baltimore Ravens. Good reports from Lamar Jackson throwing the ball. Lots of spirals coming out of Ravens camp. He said he's up seven or 10 pounds this year. And he was just a running machine once he got inserted into the starting lineup last year. He had, what, six, seven starts last year, seven starts for Lamar Jackson, and they went six and one over those starts. My question is, when it comes to Lamar Jackson, can you hold up? The old saying goes, a running quarterback is a hurt quarterback. Yeah, and and I brought this topic up to you because Coach Harbaugh said something along the lines of when the reporter asked about hey, the number of carries Lamar is going to have this upcoming year, I think Coach Harbaugh said, take the over. And wow. I found that peculiar because uh, here's my – I'm going to go on a little rant, I warn you. <laughs> I mean, okay. I, I don't like admitting it right now, but when that class came out with five first-round quarterbacks, Lamar was my number one. And I really thought he threw the ball at Louisville much better than he did with Baltimore in his first year. So I do think there's more upside there as a passer than we saw. And I actually went back and watched a lot of his snaps maybe a month ago, a couple weeks ago. And I think he gets a little bit of a bum rap for that rookie year. I think he was more accurate than people realize. I think his receivers didn't help him a lot. I think he, you know, that they were originally a Flacco offense. You know, he came to minicamp this year and said, wow, I didn't know they were going to change the offense. It's really different. Well, yeah, you know, I mean, they're going to change it for him. And it caught the league by storm. It's not just all running. There's a lot more to it than that because it's very tight end centric in that they want big bodies on the field to help block for the run game. And they do a very they do a very good job of using geom you know football geometry to get those tight ends in the right spots to spring long runs. And they're also middle of the field options that are easier throws for a young quarterback. But now they don't only add a massive speedster in Marquise Brown, who at a minimum is going to be a Deshaun Jackson type guy. But Boykin's a different version. Like we talked about Metcalf the other day. I mean, he's the big version of a field stretcher. And maybe he'll take those guys a little bit of time. But the the, uh, the running back they drafted, too, was amongst the fastest in the league. Like, all of a sudden, their skill position players, including tight end and especially the quarterback, are blazing fast, track speed fast, compared to other teams, you know, six guys that aren't offensive linemen. So I am really cautiously optimistic about this team, this offense. I don't think they're going to win games 13-9 anymore. Um, I think they can control the tempo a little bit more. I love that you just told me about him adding some pounds, some body armor, because really that scared me. I mean, he would kind of remind me of RG3, who's his backup in terms of not protecting himself, being a skinnier guy. You got to know when to hold him, when to fold him, when to slide, when to get out of bounds. And he didn't do that well as a rookie, and he won't hold up that way. But when I heard that from Harbaugh, a big red flag went off in my head saying, I bet that's a lie. I bet that's screaming coach speak to me <laughs> that that's not smart. As dangerous as he is, let him throw a little more. Let's be a little more conventional. Let's just not run like crazy because unlike Josh Allen in his rookie year, they were designed runs. You know, Josh Allen just scrambled and ran whenever things went bad and they always went bad. 
you know, they were designing runs for Lamar. I think that's a slippery slope. So, and by the way, and I want to look at the numbers a little deeper here too, for what he did last year. And if you extrapolate that out to a 16 game season, but you've got John Harbaugh, the head coach, his brother, Jim Harbaugh, coach of the 49ers back in the day when Colin Kaepernick was there. And I wonder if the offense could start to look like that because Kaepernick's offensive coordinator under Jim Harbaugh is the offensive coordinator currently for the Ravens under John Harbaugh in Greg Roman. So he knows how to deal with a quarterback who can gouge teams in the run. And so if you look at what it could potentially look like, you might go back to that 2012-2013 49ers team, um, watch the Kaepernick run Niners, and you might have a good idea of what things could look like under Lamar Jackson. But uh, here's what's crazy. When you hear, and that I, I'm with you, that's, I think maybe he might be full of it because I can't imagine yeah. taking the over on carries because if you extrapolate Lamar Jackson's season last year over 16 games, that would be 272 carries and 1,270 rushing yards. That yardage would have been third in the league behind only Zeke and Saquon yeah, as say, that's rushers. Like, that's like Zeke number of carries. Yeah, and only yeah, Zeke right. would have had more carries than 272 last year. He had 304 carries. So it would have been the, the second most carries in the league if he ran for 16 games as much as he ran last year. And I, I can't see that being sustainable at all. Yeah, and, and even to take it a little further, Lamar Jackson had more rushing attempts than any quarterback in history. And as you said, he only started seven games. I mean, he, he was in the game during those games. He weren't, wasn't quite a starter. You know, remember Flacco would stand there like a statue, disinterested <laughs> as a quote yeah. wide receiver. Yeah. But that's not winning football. I mean, and Harbaugh to me is one of the better coaches and one of the most underrated yet established coaches in the league. I think he's just telling us that. And I think they're going to throw more particularly to Mark Andrews, and I think the the Marquise Brown addition is really going to pay off for them more than just a deep threat. He's going to open room up for everybody. And you mentioned the tight ends there and Mark Andrews, and so to tie this all together, a report from The Athletic today said that second-year tight end Mark Andrews has been, quote, the most dangerous and productive Mm. offensive player at Ravens training camp. So there you go. I love hearing that because I told my listeners – at least a month ago, maybe longer, that, hey, mark this in stone. Mark Andrews is going to lead this team in receptions this year. I think he's that type of guy. Here's where it gets wonky with Lamar Jackson if he runs, if they use him too much or if he gets banged up. Now you're at RG3 and you're at Trace McSorley. And where does your season go if you lose Lamar Jackson? So that's where it seems like, yeah, pump the brakes there. 272 carries. It's not happening. It can't happen. Yeah, come on. Right. <laughs> right. I mean, so that one just screamed coach speak to me and I've been doing this a long time and thought I'm not believing you there quite coach Arbaugh. Yeah, definitely. You, you can sense the BS meter for sure on that one. Yeah. Uh, some injuries. Uh, Jamison Crowder, he left Jets practice with a foot injury awaiting MRI results there. You got a young quarterback. He needs some weapons. They were counting on Jamison Crowder to be one of those. And so, um, I don't know what Gase, New York, Sam Darnold. What are your thoughts there? Yeah, I just want to mention Crowder too because, I mean, he injuries have been a problem for him, and I, I often mention this to my listeners too. Playing the slot is is a lot more physical. It's a lot more demanding. Some of these guys like Edelman and Welker that did it forever at a high level, they get hit by linebackers if they're lucky. Sometimes defensive tackles fall on them. They don't get pushed out of bounds by, you know, 5'10", 185-pound corners. You know, they get blasted, and they're close to the line, and they got a block in the run game. It's a physical, physical position, and Crowder hasn't really proven to be up to that task, you know, just from a, a durability standpoint. 
Um, but if you remember, Gase absolutely peppered Jarvis Landry with targets in Miami when he was there. And I think that, you know, with a young quarterback, Crowder's not as good as Landry, but he's a pure slot guy. They gave him substantial money. I think he would have been in line or still might be. Well, who knows how bad the injury is for a lot of quick hitting targets. So it's kind of an interesting situation there. I want to get to the other team in New York, the New York Giants, because their wide receiver group, speaking of injuries and uh, just in shambles over there with that wide receiver group. So we've got to take a quick break here and we'll talk New York Giants and we'll talk Detroit Lions coming up. Support of Locked On NFL comes from Manscaped, who is number one in men's below the belt grooming. You may have seen them on Shark Tank. Manscaped offers precision engineered tools for your family jewels. Get 20% off and free shipping with the code locked on at manscaped.com. That's 20% at manscaped.com with promo code locked on. So the New York Giants, Eli Manning, they got Daniel Jones, the rookie quarterback. I don't know how that's going to work out at some point. He's got to pass the baton there, and it's got to be at some point this year. But who are either one of those quarterbacks going to be throwing to? Obviously, Odell Beckham traded to Cleveland in the offseason. Golden Tate, you've got a four-game suspension violating the league's PED policy. Corey Coleman tore his ACL at the beginning of camp. He's done for the year. And Sterling Shepard, a broken thumb, he's listed as week-to-week. He actually got some drills in the very next day after breaking a thumb. I don't know how you could do anything as a wide receiver <laughs> with a broken thumb, but uh, that's a rough group. And they, I mean, Eli Manning didn't perform well last year, so uh, it's not a good outlook for the New York Giants right now. No, I mean, I think Eli's utterly done, to be honest with you. And I'll be honest. I mean, I, I write some articles for Big Blue View, and it's a Giants-centric site, but it's not just Giants. And not because I wrote for them, but I sort of commended Gettleman, who's been crushed by the under the microscope for well, – I wrote an, uh, an article saying – he created a nice nest for a landing spot for a rookie quarterback before they had drafted Jones, who, frankly, I would have never drafted Jones. I don't think he's close to a first-round player. So I also kind of backhanded complimented Gettleman. But I said with his <laughs> nest was, all of a sudden, they have an offensive line. You know, Zeitler is one of the best pass-protecting guards in the league. They're adding players there that are quality you know, guys to make that nest a little easier. Barkley's like a young quarterback's best friend or – an old ancient over the hill quarterback's best friend and the, all their receivers, including Barkley, Engram, um, Shepard, Tate, the guys you mentioned, they're all get it out quick. Um, after the catch type of dudes hit them with a quick slant, very good with the ball in their hands. And that's a very friendly way to incorporate a new quarterback into the league. And I'm sure many people are like, well, wouldn't Odell be not, uh, even better. And probably, but Odell's a huge personality, and if he's not getting the ball, he could rock the ship. He could you know, you know, screw up the nets to some degree. And I don't think Jones is a player. I don't think Eli's a player. So it, all this might not matter if those two aren't good enough, and I know Eli isn't at this point. But all of a sudden, the nest is crumbling in terms of receivers, and everyone in the world will be keying on Barkley. Engram, I think, is still a weapon, too, but they need these guys to stay healthy for Jones to have any kind of chance whenever that time comes. And if you can't keep teams honest and you you go yeah. into pass mode early in games and now you're getting your 
rookie quarterback with with defenders just pinning their ears back going after him and everything's going to be dump off to Saquon Barkley or dump off to your tight end and Evan Egram. It's going to be uh, really difficult for that offense to get off the ground. And I'm with you with Eli Manning and Daniel Jones. I didn't really look too deep into quarterbacks this year because usually when I scout for the NFL draft and look at players, I sort of do it through a 49ers lens. Sure. And uh, and I do look at everybody, and I look at the quarterbacks, and he was definitely not a guy that I thought was going to be a first-round draft pick. But um, I didn't look as deep as, say, you did, so I don't want to completely comment on that. It, just to say that Eli definitely is done, and they were kind of behind in in replacing Eli. And so now they kind of were – it seemed like they were in panic mode. They had to find their quarterback this year. That's who they settled on in Daniel Jones – and then now it's going to be a little bit more difficult to develop that quarterback or for Eli to uh, take this team to some wins at the beginning of the season to try to fight off that rookie quarterback if all of his receiving weapons are now gone and he wasn't great with everybody last year. Yeah, yeah, you're right. And, and I think Saquon Barkley, this is this is a little bit of a tangent, but everyone killed him. How could you take Saquon Barkley that early in the draft? He's a running back. Don't you ever see the metrics? Pro Football Focus would cut your head off of this. But I've said this before. We talked about it a little bit yesterday. Many of the teams that have used top 10, top 15 picks on running backs, I don't think are disappointed. And I do think Barkley's an extremely special player. And I said this when he came out, and I saw him because I'm in Pittsburgh. Penn State's you know very close, and they're on TV all the time. I thought he was the best running back prospect I've ever seen. I mean, it really is that special. I mean, Peterson level, unbelievable, no-brainer, Andrew Luck type of, of guy. And I kind of thought of this today out of the blue, and I'm, I wonder if he's going to have a, a Barry Sanders-like career. You know, like highlight runs, does amazing things, one playoff appearance over his career. You know what I mean? <laughs> right. <laughs> yeah. And my thing with, and it kind of goes along with that, with Saquon Barkley, it was, okay, running back, number two overall, that's a little rich for me. But at mm-hmm. the same time, with his skill set, it's like, well, he might be the best receiver in the draft. So would right. you take the best receiver <laughs> right. in the draft at number two? Maybe you would. And so then it kind of changes things. And you talk about developing a young quarterback. If you have a strong running game and a safety valve as good as Saquon Barkley, which is probably at this point the best safety valve in the league, that's not a bad thing either. Right. I mean, I really think if you told any young quarterback, Darnold, Mayfield, I mean, guys that look like they're going to be successful – if you could add one thing, Barkley would be pretty high on their list, I bet. Well, you know, And I think that's kind of why Lev Bell ended up with the Jets. I mean, he's a very young quarterback-friendly type of guy at his best. But Barkley's better. You know, I mean, I can hand this guy the ball over and over. I can dump it to him. He's going to make me look better than I am. He's, he's going to bail me out more often than not. He's a special, special player. But, boy, I don't love the next two, three years of what New York might be, become because – in the end, it comes down to the quarterback they chose, and I looked at Jones and thought, boy, he's the definition of a day two, early third round type of guy, has some traits, doesn't look like a starter to be at all. I don't trust him to complete passes, and now things are starting to crumble a little bit, as they always do this time of year. And Gettleman is tied to his young quarterback in Jones, so we'll check back in in a couple of years and see how that turned out, because uh, if it didn't turn out well like you think it might not, then... Uh, Some people are going to be out of a job for sure. Right, right. No doubt about it. Let's check in on Theo Riddick, running back from the Detroit Lions, released by the Lions. He's had a visit with the Saints this week and now with the Broncos. And according to Mike 
Cleese, the Broncos beat reporter, that uh, Riddick, 28 years old, is taking a physical with the Broncos. And so things advanced at least to this, the stage of taking a physical. So prototype, third down back in the league, now visiting the Broncos, potentially signing there. He's averaged 61 and three quarters catches per season, 470 yards receiving over the past four years. Two notes on this is, boy, that move really makes on Johnson extremely attractive, mm. like from a fantasy lens all of a sudden, because it used to be he was kind of stuck in the middle of, will he be the short yardage back? Will he be the receiving back? Will he be kind of caught in limbo? You know, and now I think he's going to catch an awful lot of passes, and it's a great um, you know, stroke of faith in the young running back who I think could have a breakout season. Riddick is dangerous. I mean, you look at him, he's an exceptional receiver. Um, he's dynamic. He's a good route runner. Uh, but it's interesting. I mean, I, I sound like I'm stuck in the 80s with this running back talk. <laughs> but if you're one-dimensional, teams just know it. I mean, he was always a tell. Like, I killed the Lions when they had Theo Riddick and LeGarrette Blunt. I mean, they shouldn't even go to the same meeting room. I mean, they should not have RB on their football card as the same type of guy. I mean, they're not nothing at all alike. If Blunt come trotting out, it's like, well, they're going to hand it to him. He's not going to run a route. If Reddick come out, they're going to throw the ball. You know, like, in a way, he's too much receiver, and he's too much of a tell because if he's not running a route, his pass protection, he's going to get run over by linebackers. And if he's handing a ball, if you're handing the ball off to him, he's not going to break any tackles. So you could go to the over extreme of, yeah, receiving is key and king with running backs now. And I believe that, but you still got to be able to hand this guy the ball on, you know, second and six. Yeah. You got to be able to keep defenses honest. And that's yeah. a great point about carry on Johnson. I didn't really think about that originally when I heard the news about theoretic and carry on Johnson's a player. I love when I'm thinking fantasy drafts, I'm like, Oh man, I like carry on Johnson, but how many of his, touches are going to be vultured by these other players on the roster. Mm -hmm. And with carry on Johnson, if he does get everything, then I mean, sky's the limit and I'm drafting him as high as I can in fantasy football leagues. Right. Yeah, I agree. I, I like his style a lot. They're a run first team. Patricia is going to try to, you know, play it close to the vest defensive minded coach. That line should be reasonably good. I, I think they're going to try to keep Stafford under wraps to some degree because he's an inherent risk taker. And so, I think Carryon Johnson has a chance to be one of those fantasy winners for you. You get him in the third round or so, and then next year we're talking about him as, boy, he's a first-round pick. Yep, yep, absolutely. He's one of those, and that's what you need. You need those guys in fantasy football that the next year they're first-round picks. That That's right. exactly what you're looking for there. Absolutely. All right, well, it looks like we're out of time here, Matt. Uh, I do want to get to the NFL 100 stuff. We should probably do that maybe on tomorrow's show, and I'm sure we'll have a whole slew of new NFL stories from around training camps to talk about on Wednesday's program. And then I believe we got Mike Sando coming up on Thursday, regular Thursday guest here. So I'm excited to talk to him. Thanks everybody for listening. We'll do it all again tomorrow right here on Locked On NFL.